This is Rugger Matrix International, the world's leading independent rugby podcast quoted more than anyone else. It's no wonder that our major partner is Strike, Australia's leading provider of Bluetooth car kits, so you can stay safe in your car and avoid hefty fines. So go hands-free with Strike. Enter the code RUGGERMATRIX and you'll get 10% off. Go to strike.com.au to get your discount. Rugger Matrix also brought to you by mybean.com.au. We sell at roasters' prices. Let's get it on. Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 197. Captain Courageous, this title. And it's because, look down there, Dave Dennis is about to join us, but I better introduce Mark Barnabar, Pinky Cash, Cash Cow, Cashman. And Casho, I've had a disaster. Look over your shoulder. My JVC TV is dead, so we have to do the backup, which is usually our graphic, where Dave Dennis is tonight. Well, shining star at the front, Bronk, and uh, it's just a shame we don't see some of that crisp <laughs> photography that you uh, that, that you throw up there. So uh, we're coming to you tonight uh, from uh, the studio in Maroubra, the night of the launch of the NRC, mate. So lots to discuss, haven't we? Lots to discuss, but uh, coming up in a couple of days' time is the Bledisloe Cup, Bledisloe 2 in Dun... I was going to say Dunedin. <laughs> Wishful thinking, Eden Park. Eden Park is where it's going to happen. Guy who would love to be there, but he was injured. The Waratahs captain joins us tonight, as you can see down here. Dave Dennis. Dave, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, firstly, how are you going? Uh, obviously, you've had surgery. It's been a few weeks now. Uh, is everything progressing okay? Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Um, yeah, it's going well, mate. I'm about six weeks out of surgery, and uh, it's a bit quiet in at the Waratahs at the moment with only uh, myself and Tatafu and John Lance. So there's only three of us in there doing a bit of rehab, but it's all on track. And um, you know, I'll, I'll be doing my fair share of watching rugby over the next couple of months, but uh, getting ready for the start of next Super Season. Geez, that's hard to take having to spend so much time with Tatafu. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure him out. So I've known him for about ten years, and uh, hopefully, a couple of weeks in rehab with him will. Uh, you know, help my uh, understanding of the bloke. He's a bit of a bit of a weird cat, old tough. Dino, <laughs> when, when do you think you'll start to contact? Uh, I'd, I'd imagine after Christmas type of thing, and then uh, and then get a few uh, few miles under your belt, I suppose. Yeah, the first couple of months made it pretty pretty slow and tedious, and uh, sort of back end of November, December, I'll start running, and then uh, yeah, I'll all move pretty quick from there. So I'm. I'm preparing for a tough couple of months around Christmas, but uh, yeah, I'm on, on track to try and get back and get stuck in for next year and, and defend our title. Have you had a chat to the the king of rehab, uh, Dave Pocock? Uh, he's had he's had a couple of these things uh, over the past two seasons. Yeah, he actually sent me a text when it happened and, and wished me well. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal tra- trainer and you know really dedicated to his sort of his routine and all that sort of thing. So he's a good guy to, to learn from. And uh, it's funny when you actually do these injuries, you sort of hear more stories. And um, the, Nick Malcheski, the Swans player, he's done his ACL three times. And there's a couple of guys out there who's done it. So um, there's plenty of guys you can sort of learn from and, and take take notes out of their book. Yeah, and, and Nick is still killing it for the Swans at the moment. So there's absolutely uh, everything to look forward to, Dave. Uh, a great player for the Sydney Swans. Well, Dave, we mentioned at the start, let's get straight into it. Um, it is Bledisloe 2 time. The Rugby Championship is underway. A tight victory for South Africa over the Pumas in terrible conditions in Pretoria. Terrible conditions too. I can't believe it. Just after the Waratahs win in great. Well, tough 
pretty good conditions uh, in the Super Rugby final. Then to follow with the Blitters I won and have terrible weather in Sydney was very disappointing. 12-all draw, Dave, and uh, I know you were in the stands there and did get a close look at it uh, as, as you would maybe on television, but, you know, it was a game that was there to be won for Australia. They did play an open, expansive game in the wet and, and commendable that they tried to run the ball, but in the end, Dave, uh, it turns out that uh, it wasn't enough uh, because when you play that way in those conditions, you're going to make mistakes and you just quite can't quite seal the deal. And in the end, it didn't happen. It was 12-all against the All Blacks. Was it as good as a win or was would you consider it a loss? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I had an opportunity to speak to a few of the, the boys this week and I think they're, they're generally disappointed with the draw. I think um, obviously it makes our, you know, the, the team's job a little bit harder over the next couple of weeks to retain the Bledisloe. But... Um, you know, it was a tough week in the sense that I think Ewan picked a team, particularly with putting Kirtley at 10 and, and picking Ashley Cooper back at 13 and put guys back in their position. And I thought he picked a team to go out with a mindset to attack and really try and score some points against the All Blacks and then to turn up on game day with the weather that the boys had. Um, it, it did obviously put a dampener on it, literally. And uh, I, I thought uh, the first half was you know, a bit of a dogfight. I, I sensed that... They, they got a bit more belief in the second half. They, they thought, you know, we can beat these guys. And although that showed in the way they played, and we had a bit more possession in the second half, threw the ball around a little bit more. It's just, um, yeah, just just disappointing we couldn't get rewarded on the scoreboard and end up in a draw. But, um, you know, it shapes for an exciting, exciting uh, game in Eden Park in, in two days' time. Dino, one, one of the things about uh, the Waratahs and the thing that everyone admired about uh, their style of football was that everyone was on board, everyone believed in what they were doing. That uh, that manufactured that uh, penalty goal attempt at the end. Do you think the Wallabies believe in what they're they're trying to do at the moment? Or do you think they've got everybody on board a hundred percent? I know I know you spoke about the weather, uh, the conditions, and all all those sorts of things. There there just seems to be some of those wee doubts there, doesn't there? Yeah, I think um, yeah, belief's a, a massive part of it, and uh, we we felt as a club at super level that the only way to win the competition was playing attacking rugby. Um, and it changes a little bit when you go into test football, but I think you still got to have that t- attacking mindset. And I, I I generally think that the team is, is growing a bit better belief than probably we've had in the last couple of years. And um, there's a really good mix at the moment of a couple of senior players with a lot of young good guys coming through and uh, they tend to be a little bit, le- bit uh, less fearless in a sense and they, they tend to just sort of play their natural game. And I think, uh, yeah, from talking with the guys, I'd like to think that the, the Waratah guys who have gone in there, their sort of confidence and energy is a little bit infectious and it filters through the team. And I think, um, I generally think, you know, Link's a smart operator. I think the team's moving you know, in the right direction or better. It's progressing better than it was probably two or three years ago. Having said that, it was great, and it has been great progress. The game was there to be won, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, uh, you look back through the game about where maybe better options were taken. Now, you're a captain, and uh, your co-captain this year elected Michael Hooper not to take the kicks before half-time um, because uh, he thought that you could crack them. Um, and uh, I guess there would be no way that you'd bag him making the decision. But just how tough is that? When you're sitting in the stands, you don't really understand it. But as a player, how tough is it to make that call when you feel like you're about to break that damn wall and score the try? Yeah, I think uh, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing. And uh, I think in that situation there, I, I think Hoops probably felt that um, they had the ascendancy and if they could score a try there and, and go in the, I think they're down by six and get the conversion going at half time ahead, 
you know, that would have been a really good result moving to the second half. Um, you know, he opted for the scrum. They didn't get the didn't get the try, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's always a tough decision. Everyone's different, and I think a great thing about Hoops and you see it in the way he plays. He's got a very attacking mindset, and um, he's always looking to to sort of you know score points you know, with attacking focus. So I think uh, yeah, I think he'll learn from that. You know, I'm sure if he gets an opportunity this weekend, Norton, he might opt for the post. But um, you know, I like a guy who backs his own decisions, and, and he did that there, and it didn't quite pay off, but. Uh, I wouldn't say that's probably the reason they lost the game. Oh, sorry, drew the game. I think uh, there's probably a few other opportunities to score points as well. Is there something in the playbook with a game like that where, where the coach says, you take the points if you're in the 22 or around that area? What, what, what would Ewan's instruction be? Yeah, look, I'm not too sure what, what Ewan would say. I imagine he would say, you know, in particular those conditions, every every chance you get to take some points, take them. That's, uh, that, that's, that's basically test rugby to to start with, and you see a lot of good teams, particularly in Northern Hemisphere, they're all about getting your your own half and, and building pressure and taking points. So uh, I'm sure he would have had a, a similar focus. But uh, yeah, we had a we sort of had a bit of a guideline this year at the Waratahs, particularly with our limited range from our kickers. That I, I sort of have an area on the field where if we're outside that, even if we're in the opposition's half, that we'd, we'd look for the sideline or, or go for the tap. So um, you can set sort of parameters there, but when it, when it comes down, it's up to the captain's decision. Who Hoops back this call there, it just didn't quite pay off. Dano, tough old, tough old night for KB. Uh, you know, be, to be thrown that number 10 jersey, a lot of responsibility, and then it, uh, then it sort of buckets, buckets down rain. He was, he was always going to be targeted, and uh, that's pretty much uh, the way it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, yeah they would have identified that the All Blacks is an area to have a go. And uh, the good thing I think about the performance from Curley's point of view is he kept coming, he kept trying to have a crack, and I think uh, that's his personality and the way he plays. And you know he made a couple of errors early and a couple of big hits, but he kept coming all game, and I think that was positive. Um, but I did notice I think from being out in the ground that the sort of tempo or the way they sort of played picked up a little bit the back end of the game when Foley came on with Fibs. So. Um, I can understand Ewan's mindset there with Curtly there, and he's a fantastic player. Um, I think it's just a matter of getting that balance between, you know, how much time Burner could play off the bench as, bench as well, because he, he had a fantastic super season. So ideally, it'd be good if they were both out there at the same time. But um, I think they're trying something different, and and it adds a little bit of X factor as well, which is always important at Test level. It's so hard to uh, have a backline there without uh, at the national level without Matt Tamura. He's uh, he, he was he was quite outstanding uh, in that test match. Yeah, I think um, you know, looking back to sort of talking about the team and its progression, probably two or three years ago, we we didn't have that depth. And uh, when you got a, a guy like Bernard Foley sitting on the bench, it's it's as much as you'd want to see him out there as well. It's a good thing for the team. And uh, Tamura had a fantastic super season as well. So it's hard to leave a guy like him out. It's hard to leave a guy like Kirtley out as well. So it's. It's a tough job getting that balance, but um, hopefully they've named the same back line this week, so hopefully a bit of consistency there will help the team. Dave, can you explain why the hell the box kick still exists? Because it is, a, for many fans, a frustrating thing. And I just I just see uh, in, in stages of that game, I think it was a poor option to take, uh, especially uh, when you don't gain much territory and these guys come running at you from over the halfway. You know, tactically... Um, uh, what's the sense behind the kick, especially in a game like that? 
Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of it, to be honest. And uh, I think if this whole year we never used it at all. So maybe that's giving away a secret. I'm sure te- teams realise. But as at the Waratahs, it wasn't part of our, our weaponry, the, the box kick. And um, I think it's one of those skills that done really well is great. But uh, there's so much room for error and there's so much pressure from the defence that it can go wrong quite quite quickly. So it's basically obviously used to try and get out of your, your own territory easily. But... Um, you can put your side under a lot of pressure if you don't execute. And, uh, you know, I th- I'd like to think that you could have a similar fo- uh, mindset at test level of not using it, but um, teams have different tactics. And, uh, you know, I look at Nick White. He's got a very good long kick on him. And if you can get out of your half easily with a box kick, uh, so be it. But I think it's a matter of using it at the right time. Um, we probably, I think we probably used it too much on the weekend. I think uh, if you go back to your final uh, against the Crusaders, uh, they used the box kick twice in the dying stages and it gave you possession and enabled you to get the kick through Bernard Foley to win the game. So I guess uh, it's a case of where they used it and didn't help them out. So it, it is a tactic uh, that we find frustrating, but so commendable the Waratahs have played such an attacking game, uh, dinner. Uh, but uh, were there games that you see that you and Checker and, and the rest of uh, the leadership group there decided that, yeah, we'd like to run the ball but not at absolutely at all costs. Surely there are times when you just you knew you had the nut out of game. Yeah, not really. Like there, we honestly had a, a very strong belief and mindset around attacking. Uh, we had a clear strategy in terms of where we were on the field. We virtually uh, felt we could run the ball from you know our own, not our own twenty-two, but anywhere outside that we could have a genuine crack if it was on. And we we tried to maintain that all year. I think. There's one game in the year, I think it was the Brumbies game out at ANZ, actually the game I got injured the second time, that we said, um, if they kick us the ball, we'll return at once, and then on the, their next return, we'll have a crack. So we, there were slight changes, but the overall mindset was having that uh, attacking ability, and it, it was all based around having the calibre of players we had. I think, um, you know, we had a low for low for, you know, uh, you know Israel, Kirtley, Bernard Foley in the back, uh, Ashley Cooper in the, in the back line, I think. If, if team's going to give you easy possession, why not use it and have a crack? So that was our mindset, and I think um, I, I'd like to think that that's doable at test level, but you've got to be a little bit smarter about it. But, um, yeah, it worked for us. Tight five was very good, uh, Dave, wasn't it, uh, from a Wallaby sort of point of view? Uh, but at times uh, we, we couldn't really get that uh, that quick release that uh, was a was a feature of the Waratahs game. Can, can the Wallabies reproduce, you know, that... Uh, that big hit-ups and, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the big clean-outs that uh, were featured throughout the Waratahs' front five games? Yeah, I think they can. I think um, you look at our, our squad now, the way it developed over the last two years, we, we, we started with that same style of rugby at the start of 2013. It, it took us a year to probably understand it and really grasp the concept. And then this year, it, we're obviously a lot more effective with it. And I think... Uh, you know, Ewan took over the Wally team midway through last year. So I think the, the second half of last year was very much sort of doing the best he can. And then I think this year, at the start of the French series, he's, he's coming with a clear way he wants to play. And I think that'll take time. Um, uh, there's definitely the players there to do it, to be able to carry the ball at the line and bend that line and get quick balls. It's just a matter of, you know, building that as a team. And I think, I think they're capable of doing it. But it was very, it was very effective for us, the way we, we played with our big man in the centre of the field. It uh, wasn't a great game for you guys at Eden Park this year, though, was it? And uh, it's a great indication if you don't. And I know che- apparently Czech was pretty upset after that game. 
Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's hard man to please, particularly when you go away and lose like that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, that was just. Uh, I look back on the season. I think uh, there was two or three games where we were beaten through various reasons, but that was probably one game where uh, I wouldn't say our attitude, but there just there wasn't something right. Maybe it was the old. It wasn't, Park your, Hoodoo, it but... wasn't your trademark, was it? It didn't live up to the the Waratahs' way. Yeah. And that and that was the biggest disappointment. You know, we talked all year about playing a style of rugby that is easily identified with our club and our team. Uh, so every time they watch, they know it's sort of Waratahs rugby. And that night, it, it wasn't. So, you know, it was, it was just one of those games. I couldn't, can't really put my finger on it. But um, maybe it's the whole idea of going over to Eden, Eden Park, you know. Hopefully, the boys on Saturday don't have the same issues. Uh, Deno, what, what's your feelings about the balance in the New Zealand back row? Um, uh, you know, is it uh, is is Richie McCaw best at six or seven? You know, is uh, you know, have, have they got the have they got the the back row combination right? Yeah, I think um, I think it's a probably a similar issue we have around you know nine, ten, and twelve. It's probably too much to choose from in a sense. I think uh, I think Vito's out this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see what they do there. But um, you know, Reed's obviously got a, a mortgage on eight. He's a fantastic player. He'll he'll stay there for a long time. Um, but yeah, I think the Crusaders played Todd at seven and McCaw at six, and I think that worked quite well for them. McCaw's obviously an option in the line out as well, so he can play at six. But uh, yeah, I think I, I honestly think the game's probably changing, slowly changing, where that number seven that used to be purely a scavenger and hard on the ball is is having to evolve a little bit into a bit more of a uh, sort of. Uh, a bit more of a diverse player in a sense, like, and I think that's why Hooper's going so well because he's got the ability to have a crack at the ball, at the ruck, if he wants, but also carry the ball, you know, make big tackles. And I think um, that's sort of what your number seven is looking like these days. And uh, you know, I think Richie probably is getting that balance in his game as well. So yeah, they've got great options in the whole back row. I think Messam's there as well. So um, yeah, I think I, I just think that number seven as a as a purely as a scavenger and hard on the ball is probably going out of the game a little bit and you, you you end up sort of playing two sixes in a sense. What about your fitness? Uh, it was very, uh, I remember seeing you pre-season, uh, Dave, and you guys getting flogged around the Coogee Hills and uh, and it was, was tough work, so curly sweating it up. But, geez, you got the benefits for it from it later on because the support game was the key, wasn't it? I mean, every time a guy was hitting the tackle in the contest, there was someone there to take the ball popped up. It was the stuff that we'd been longing for for a long time at the Waratahs, but finally unleashed. Was it simply down to um, to fitness or were there other bits of upskilling your game? How did it really unlock that potential this year? Yeah, I think, um, I think last year we realised how we wanted to play was going to take a fair bit of hard work and a big sort of physical effort from the players. So we, we did have a tough preseason, and uh, it's always hard running up a hill. It could you seeing you at the top of the hill with a camera, but uh, yeah, with yeah, a coffee I, in your coffee and you? I might. I carry the camera up the hill. <laughs> on, on, a, on a Saturday morning, I thought you'd throw me a drink, a bottle of water, a barrel. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think what we got out of that, apart from the physical um, benefits, was a, a mental edge that we probably haven't had before. Um, now, that was some of probably the toughest weeks we've had as a as a club in terms of the way we trained, and uh, it it uh, sort of flowed onto the field in the sense that we worked hard physically, but we also worked hard for each other and that mental side of not letting your teammate down and make sure you, make sure you're there in support. I think um, 
there's, I think guys this year probably went that little bit further in terms of how they've played on the field, purely through having been a bit stronger in the mind. And uh, that all comes back to, to working hard up those hills and all different sorts of things. So uh, that I think Czech identified that as a, probably a weakness we've had in the past. And uh, we really, really train that because it's something you can train. People forget about it, but that mental side of the game is something you can train. And we did that very early in the year. Dave, in, in that vision, there was pictures of... Uh of uh, Stephen Hoyle's uh, toiling away too and you know your unfortunate in, uh, injury gave him a chance to uh, to play a starting role and, and do it pretty well didn't he throughout the Waratahs finals campaign yeah mate it was obviously I'm always trying to be a, a glass half full guy and uh, you know I was I was very disappointed to miss out but it was, it was great to see Steve get an opportunity to start there and he's had his fair share of injuries over the last couple of years anyway. It's well well documented his battles to make it back and travelling around the world to get his Achilles right and uh, he, he came on at the start of the year as a, a guy um, who just wanted to try and play Super Rugby again, didn't didn't earn a, a cent for the first couple of months I think and, and worked hard, worked his way back in and had that uh, level of experience as well which I think was important in the group and uh, yeah, he did a fantastic job throughout the year, but also those last couple of games, he ended up taking over the, the line-out calling role, which was important. And, uh, you know, I had a beer with him after the, after the game and we had a good chat about, uh, you know, how happy he was and how hard it was over those years. And he's just a lot of satisfaction and for his, obviously for his kids and his wife as well, who have probably had to uh, put up with a bit over the last couple of years. It was great for them. Yeah, it was. I mean, Kasia and I went and shot an interview for Total Rugby and it was a really moving story with his family and all the effort uh, that they put into and so it was a, it was a great yarn but obviously um, you know um, you guys get on so well it was really emotional after that I mean you know I, I felt so happy uh, had, haven't been involved with the team directly for for some years but everyone who was has been been there and worked at the Waratahs and was was so happy for you guys especially guys like yourself and Wycliffe Palu, Tatafi Plot and now Ben Robinson uh, Curly Beal, who'd, who'd been through finals before and, and been there a long time, uh, you shed a few tears afterwards. I mean, it was obviously a, a big moment for you for a couple of reasons. And, uh, you know, having having not been able to get on the paddock that night as well, I mean, could you sum up how it all hit you after the game? Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy experience. I think uh, when uh, we gave away that penalty with about seven to go, I was sort of just sitting in the stands thinking... Uh, you know, this just can't, it's not right, it's not fair. You know, we've got to get an element of, of luck or there's a bit of fate there that this has to, we have to win this game. And then when we end up winning, um, you know, I'm the same as you, Juro. I think uh, I've seen a lot of people come through the club, a lot of good people who've worked hard and never probably got the the reward they've deserved. And uh, to be out in the field and see a guy like Cliffy and, uh, and Taff and Benny Robbo and guys who've been there for a long time and sacrificed a lot of their life for the club, uh, yeah, that's where that was where the emotion was for me. I was so happy for them, and sort of post the game, I've had so many ex-players or people who've been involved comment and say, you know, thanks, thanks for winning it because we took a lot out of it. And that again is a very satisfying thing um, for for me to to hear that from guys who have either pulled on the jersey or worked at the club, and uh, to say that they watched that game and got a lot of pride out of it was, it was special. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was just an amazing night. I think uh, I just felt guys like that we just mentioned, the senior guys, for them to finish their careers at the Waratahs and not say they've ever won a title wouldn't have been fair. So they've got that now, and um, hopefully we can go on next year and do it again. I'll, I'll be out there. Dave, take us take us into the dressing rooms. The last words that your coach said to you. Uh, take the take the expletives out if you want, but uh, just just tell us the theme of what Czech said to you before you guys went out there. 
Yeah, I think um, I think it was mentioned once or twice around uh, our sort of uh, analogy around letting the club go, a golf analogy, and just sort of standing on that tee and not having any worries and just swinging the one wood and see what happens. And uh, that was sort of our mantra the whole year from from day one. And uh, I think you saw that was reflected in the way we played. And he sort of finished the year off with a bang. I think it was about 40 minutes before he we went out for the warm-up. I was in there and uh, he pulled out a, a one wood for every every player in the 23 with a with a name on it. Uh, it was an old – I said, "What did you, how did you come up with the names? He said, I just Googled uh, old English female names for some reason. So he lost – he liked the sound of that, so I think I think Taft got Bertha and uh, Halsey got uh, Molly or Charlotte or something. So everyone got their own one wood, and then he he pulled his own out and uh, stood to the side of the dressing room and uh, let it go. So that was sort of the thing, and, and it's it was a weird sensation. It's the biggest game of everyone's probably career in that room, and forty minutes forty minutes before we ran out to to warm up, guys are having a laugh and cheering and having a joke, and uh, I think it just really really helped with the whole build-up and the, the the way the boys approached the game. But, uh, yeah, he was great throughout the whole year, Check with the way he motivated the players. Um, I think that's the biggest battle as a coach of Super Rugby, to keep the boys motivated every week. And he always had one one or two tricks up his sleeve, and uh, that was a, a good way to finish. I was, I was gutted uh, not playing, but I was gutted I missed out on a one-wood too because I love my golf. <laughs> Get a one-iron because no one can hit a one-iron, mate. So uh, the... the uh... The thing about Czech, though, is he's done what no Super Rugby coach has ever done before. We've had some pretty good ones. Current Wally, Wallaby coach included, Bob Dwyer. Um, you know, uh, Rob McQueen obviously left before Super Rugby, but uh, commanded a pretty good side in 1991, and most of those players went on to win the World Cup for Australia. But uh, it's his pure force of personality. He takes absolutely no crap, but he's as... He is. It's hard for people to believe, but he's absolutely just that, the big bloke who wears a wears a hoodie to the final. He just gets around, doesn't really care too much about his appearance, but he, but he's just a real personality, and there's not there's no crap about him. And I, I guess I guess that really resonates with players that see so many people that around the fringes who are perhaps telling you what you want to hear, that sort of stuff. He delivers it, but also um, lives the life the way he talks about too, doesn't he? He doesn't. He's not He's not making the stuff up and living a, a different sort of lifestyle. He practices what he preaches, and he got the most out of the team, but I think you guys got the most out of him as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's Czech's greatest strength. He, uh, from the day one he came into the club, he, he uh, stated what he wanted and believed in and uh now be honest what did you first think about him the first couple of weeks (laughs) well i thought uh i thought uh this guy oh well he always says it himself he goes oh you know i'm just a bloody mediterranean bloke who was in fashion no one thinks i know anything about rugby but uh the thing uh and i think um i think his greatest strength was staying true to himself like you said i think um now he, I've never seen him shift away from the first day he walked in his club to the night after the grand final. He's been constant in terms of the way he's approached things, his personality. Yeah, and I'm sure he's rubbed a few people up the wrong way along the way. But what he's what he's got from the players or is a level of respect because he's been so honest and um, it's allowed everyone to be themselves. So I think they've, you know, professional sport you can probably sometimes be a bit guarded in the way you approach things. But um, I think this year all the players felt comfortable being themselves and expressing their personalities. And uh, that, that, show, that showed on the field, but also around the club. And it really built a strong strong bond between everyone, staff, players included. And uh, 
I think uh, he's great at identifying that's his strength to be able to motivate players. And, and from the rugby side of things, he, he brought in Daryl Gibson and Nathan Gray to, to manage things that he knew he wasn't capable of doing. So uh, he was very good at that. And he is he, he strong on sticking to your strengths and backing yourself. And uh, he did that definitely as a coach. And, you know, he got a bit of criticism throughout the year, got in a bit of trouble around IRB, uh, Sansa and all that sort of stuff. But he, it didn't, he didn't go away from his own personality. I think that's a great quality to have because you come across a lot of people in, in rugby and in life that, you know, when things get tough or something, they might change. But uh, he, he did not change the whole time. And I think that gained a lot of respect from the players. And uh, he's the only guy, he's the only coach I've had that I think uh, the boys have won around on a mad Monday out of a beer So that says something about him. <laughs> yeah, we, we got some pictures on Channel 7, actually. It was pretty, yeah. a couple of censored ones, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but they, were, they were very, very good, mate. I mean, that's the great thing. And, mate, he actually likes the players. Like, he's... he's He's, yeah. He doesn't have to coach. This is a. Did you pick up on this? He doesn't have to coach. Like, he doesn't need to be a career coach because he doesn't need the money, and he doesn't need to make up stuff. He always says he, that coaches make up stuff to keep themselves in a job. He doesn't have to do that. He'd probably be happy to coach himself out of a job. Yeah, I think, and then again, that shines through in his work. I think it's quite evident that he's not. Uh, he's not coaching the next game to hope we get a win and, and keeps his job. Um, I think again that that's a really good aspect from a player's point of view to see that from a coach that he's he's you know very passionate about about the team and uh, you know he had a, a very good career with Rambic but didn't play probably as many games in New South Wales as he would have liked so I think there's a bit of bit of passion there to to almost be a player and be a part of it and see the club go well and be very much involved in the team so uh, yeah it was very good and he said to me you know when he uh, chose me to be captain at the start of his uh, coaching. At the club, um, we talked about a few things, and his biggest thing was, mate, you know, just stay true to yourself and and uh, you know, go hard and work hard and, and enjoy it. So uh, he does that himself, and all the players are sort of following, and uh, it's been really effective around the club. Dino, one of the things about the rugby now, professional rugby, is each team has its time, each team has its uh, particular DNA. What can we expect from the Waratahs in uh, in in twenty fifteen? It's it, it's going to be slightly different. Uh, a few guys aren't there. Kane Douglas, a loafer, loafer. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, you can always replace wingers, mate. Don't worry about them. But uh, <laughs> true. I think. Uh, I think a guy like. Uh, no, no disrespect for loafer. He had a great year. His first super year, he's fantastic. But he's he's chosen to to go abroad. And Cam Crawford as well. I think we'll miss him in terms of uh, a, a good finishing winger. But um, I think Kane will be a big. Big loss. I think checks in the process now. I think looking around NRC and and sort of around to see try and find a replacement for Kane. And uh, but apart from that, uh, you know, there's a really strong nucleus of the existing team. So um, I think we're aware as a club that every team will be gunning for us next year. So we'll have to change slight things about our game. But uh, we definitely won't be changing the, the the way we play in terms of the attacking approach. And that's sort of our identity now. And we're going to very much try and live up to that. Probably just be a little bit smarter, knowing that teams will uh, be after us a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got you know, give Fat Cat more ball. Ben Robinson. Does it does it hurt you that he's not in the Wallabies? It hurts us. We say it every week. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I've you know I won't get too far into it, but I was sitting out there last week and I thought uh, it seems to me that he slipped a fair way down the pecking order, and I think it's probably a bit a bit unfair to be honest. Um, he's still one of the best scrummages in the game, I feel, and. Uh, 
But in saying that, uh, Ewan's, Ewan's making these decisions. He wants to take the team somewhere. And uh, I spoke to Rob. I think he's having a run with the Rams on Saturday. I said, mate, uh, you know, have a couple of games there and, and you're, you're a type of player that will earn his spot back there. So I think I think Ben signed until 2016 at the Waratahs. So he's still got ambitions to push on at the, at the club and, and play more tests. So hopefully that, that happens in the future. All right. So last few to you, Dave. Uh, you've touched on the NRC there. Uh, mate, uh, you're pretty excited about it. Obviously, the ARC uh, the, was, what, 2007. Uh, Mark Cashman's doing the media for the race, so no one knows about him yet. And uh... oh, Come on, Bronk, they've got the best publicity in the world. <laughs> uh, what do you think, mate? It's, uh, it's it kicked off tonight, and, uh, you know, it's it's definitely, um, you know, uh, we, we see the, the, um, the Kiwi equivalent underway every weekend is great rugby but it's it's great to see it back i think yeah it, it is great to see it back and i think uh, uh from the outside looking in i hope that the general public and the, the australian rugby supporters have have a bit of patience with it because i think um it will take a few years to to build and uh it's just great to have a few good backers on board um obviously fox sports showing a game a week and, and bill corp supporting it so and the ARU, and they've structured it differently compared to 2007 in terms of, I think all the clubs are taking a bit more ownership on the financial side of things, and hopefully that keeps it keeps it going for for as long as we can, and um, we see a lot of good young players coming through. But I think this first season, I think you'll see a very good standard of rugby, first and foremost, which is always good, and uh, those who love the games can get out and watch it up until November, I think the last game is, so uh, it's nearly ne- nearly becoming all year round for, for rugby fans, but... Uh, yeah, we definitely needed it, and hopefully over the years it grows and it becomes something where we're seeing a lot of good young players come through. Dave, the, the first game tonight, uh, Brisbane City versus the Sydney Stars, came straight after an ITM Cup game. It, it compared sort of quite well. The skill level is there, and uh, people were willing to uh, sort of have a crack, and a couple of stars there amongst the stars, including that uh, young James Dargaville. Dar- yeah, I think um, you know. I think that that talent's there. I look at the ITM Cup, and there's um, obviously there's a lot of good super players that don't make the All Blacks. Uh, they filter down and play through there, but we'll have the same with this competition. We'll have a lot of super players playing in it, so uh, the standard will be there. But then, like you said, you'll see a lot of um, young guys come through. And James Dargaville is a fantastic young player. He'll he'll definitely play Super Rugby in the future. He, uh, I think, he topped the Shoot Shield. Uh, try scoring this year in Sydney, or is there thereabouts? And um, I saw the caught the first half actually tonight, and he, he scored another good try. So yeah, I, th- I think you'll see a lot of young guys coming through, and it's only it's only going to help the depth of you know super clubs and, and the national team. So uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully it keeps going. All right, we hope you're back soon too, uh, Dave Dennis, uh, Waratahs captain, victorious Waratahs captain. Uh, with your offsider Michael Hooper this year, mate, we really appreciate your time. Looking good. And I'm glad to see you get over the celebrations. Were they good celebrations? We did catch up with a few of the guys uh, <laughs> afterwards, a couple of days afterwards. And, uh, you know, I think no one begrudged anyone having a good time after. You thoroughly deserved it. But it, it, it certainly looked like good celebrations for the Tars. Yeah, we uh, we had a good couple of days. It's a uh, <laughs> long time coming. And uh, I think the Pentagon, which they call it down in, in Bondi, which is uh, a <laughs> Foley and... Uh, Nick Phipps and uh, Michael Hodge and John Lance. I think they're still trying to clean their house out. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, no, it was a good couple of days. Everyone, everyone behaved themselves, but we, we definitely celebrated hard and had a good time. 
Yeah, he thoroughly deserved it. Deno, we caught up with a few of the guys on the Tuesday after the uh, Civic reception and uh, we uh, interviewed Wycliffe Palu and uh, I think you could safely call Cliff Take Two Palu. Can't you, Brock? <laughs> he did all right. He did yeah, all right. he did I all right. He was better than Tarf, actually. Yeah, he did. But uh, Bernard Foley... I, 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 <laughs> I was going to say, Bernard Foley did an amazing job with just to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we went in the Civic reception and actually... Uh, Kasha, Sammy Cashman said, uh, uh, these guys need to be interviewed by Clarky. And he said, myself and Hoops. And I said, oh, that's all right. I can sort of hold a straight face. And then he said, uh, Curly Beal and Bernard Foley and Jacques Poquita. <laughs> I got a bit worried. Uh, they, did, they, did, they did a ride up on stage. And uh, no, I think the, the bus ride out to Bathurst on, on Wednesday for some of the uh, Wallaby boys was probably their first three hours sleep there for a while. Yeah, I don't think they saw too much of the three sisters or anything else. <laughs> uh, thoroughly deserved it, absolutely deserved it. You deserved the title this year. It was great to see running rugby, a victory for the running rugby, just like the team of the 30s. And uh, it's good to see... The 20s. 20s, well, and 30s. Yeah. Well, well you obviously remember it. I, yeah. Yeah, you're, ne- you're never wrong, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'll tell you what, who would have been proud of you, mate? The, the late and great Dave Brockoff. So I, I just hope he's... Yeah, very much so. Yeah, we right. actually... Uh... I actually talked to Taft yesterday. He's thinking of coming up with a, a shield for the new NRC, like a uh, a Ranfleet shield, similar to having an ITM Cup or something. And I thought uh, Brock would be a great name to name it after. But uh, yeah, he would have been very, he would have been very proud, mate. He was a great rugby man. Yep, yep. And you played the game he would have loved. All right, Dave Dennis. Thanks for joining us tonight from home. We appreciate your time. Uh, go well in your recovery, mate. And we look forward to another big year ahead. And let's hope that the uh, the Bledisloe. Uh, yeah, it comes this way this time around. Yeah, hope so, boys. Thanks a lot for having me. There is Dave Dennis joining us tonight. Mark Ashburn, thanks for coming in. Thanks. Uh, can you give the Bra Boys a bit of a call, Bronx, so I can get my car out? Oh, uh, yeah, right, oh, mate. Can you sort out a new TV for me? Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, Mark Cashman doing the media for the uh, North Harbour Rays. Good luck to you guys as that competition kicks off. Thanks for joining us tonight. Enjoy your rugby. Enjoy the Bledisloe Cup. And don't forget the Northern Hemisphere. We'll be checking in with Les Kiss very soon. We'll see you next week.